0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit c.l.c.austin.com. Thank you for listening. Now I want you to set up because I'm going to talk about miracles today. I'm speaking today on miracle moment or a miracle life. You have to decide that a miracle moment or a miracle life. And I I want you to understand that God still is in the miracle working business. His miracles have not stopped. His miracles have not gone away. They are still as powerful and as potent and as glorious as they ever were. So we're going to be talking about the miraculous. I'm going to to go to a particular story today about a person in the Bible here. And we're going to go to the John chapter 5 the new testament the fifth division of john chapter 5 we're going to go to the first verse after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem so it was a feast time there was three feasts that were that were uh, important one was passover one was pentecost and one was the feast of tabernacle we don't know exactly which one this was but there was a feast in jerusalem now there was in jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which in is called in hebrew bethesda which means House of Mercy, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty eight years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? That's the question. The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise and take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well immediately, not three days, not 10 days, immediately took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. So I preach today. I speak today on miracle moment or a miracle life. We have to make the choice of what we want in our life, a miracle moment or a miracle life. Jesus performed some 37 miracles. He was truly a miracle worker. He really, really was. He worked miracles in people's lives. And there had to be a good reason for a miracle before Jesus would perform it. He just didn't go around throwing out dollars. He didn't go around throwing out uh, things to people to to eat. He just, he had a reason for everything that he did. There was always a purpose in his miracle. I I broke it down into four things. Number one, I believe was to manifest the glory of God. I believe he wanted to manifest, not for self-glorification in terms of fame or notoriety. The miracle of Canaan was because his mother prodded him. And the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead was because it was his friend. And I believe with all my heart many of his miracles were in private and in secret. And he instructed them according to the book of Mark to tell no man. He wanted God to receive the glory. So I think the first reason he performed miracles was to manifest the glory of God. The second one was to meet human need. He wanted to touch and meet human need. He was motivated by compassion to people like when there was 5,000 men plus women and children out in the middle of a desert that didn't have anything to eat. He performed the miracle of five loaves and two fishes because he had compassion on them and he saw a human need there. And then when he saw the widow's only son, the widow of Nain, her only son being taken to the cemetery in a beer, in a a casket, he was motivated by the sorrow he felt for the young man's mother and he healed that widow's son. And at Lazarus' grave, he wept and he called him out of the tomb. Matthew said his heart was filled with pity for people. He had pity for people. And then the third thing I believe that he did miracles for, he was to announce the presence of the kingdom of God. He wanted the other world to know. He wanted the satanic world. He wanted the hell world to know. There's a new kingdom here. There's a new man in town. By the power of God, demons were exercised. In Mark chapter five, there was a man that had a legion of devils, which meant probably two to 6,000 demons in him. And Jesus healed him cast those demons into the swine and they went into the water and were drowned. And Jesus said this, he said, if the same miracles were done in the pagan cities that were done in Israel, those cities would have repented. He did it because he wanted people to see another kingdom greater than what they were in. And then the fourth was to proclaim the truth. The miracles proclaimed the word of God, proclaimed the good news of salvation His words were in parables, but his deeds were in miracles. So he spoke parables, performed miracles. We're going to talk about miracle moment or miracle life. I do believe that Jesus has performed many miracles on my life. I would like for you on your couch right now to testify if the Lord has performed a miracle in your life. We have seen multiple miracles in this congregation of people because we still believe it. You cast your bread on the water, it'll come back to you. We believe in the miraculous at Christian Life Austin. We believe that God can still do the impossible. We believe that a a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman did produce a son in the Old Testament because nothing is impossible with God. And we preach that and we believe that. And every Sunday we talk about how God can take people from the brink of nothing to the blessings of tomorrow right now. And so I want to start with a little comical story here. It's a story I like and you've probably heard it. If you have, just laugh anyhow because it's it's a cute little story. One day a cowboy out in Arizona was riding down a trail and all of a sudden he rounded this bend, and he saw an Indian lying in the middle of the road, and he had his ear pressed to the ground. And As he got closer, he heard the Indian speaking. He said, wagon, drawn by two horses, horses both dapple gray, passengers in wagon, two passengers, one man, one woman. The man was driving. The cowboy was amazed. He said, that's incredible. I can't believe that you can tell us that and me that by just listening with your ear to the ground. And the Indian replied, no, they ran over me a half an hour ago. (laughs) That's funny. You know, most of us, many of us, get flattened in life from time to time. Something comes along, some disease, some circumstance, some broken relationship, some loss, something comes along that knocks us off our feet and sends us staggering through life. And we stumble and we're crippled for the rest of our days because we can't get over that flattening experience. The man at the pool was flattened permanently, so it seemed. He was among a great multitude of six peop- sick people, blind and lame and paralyzed. And we don't know precisely what was wrong with him, but he had borne that infirmity for 38 long years. He couldn't get up and walk if he wanted to. He was on a pallet waiting there beside the pool of healing waters. And theologians say, if the angel troubled the water once a day, the man had sent through 13,870 moments of missing his time for his healing. He had missed it. Now, I wanna, I wanna share something with you here right now. It's amazing to me that Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda instead of the temple because it was a feast time. The temple was where the hyperactivity, where all the stuff was going on. But Jesus shows up at a pool beside a sheep gate and the place meant the house of mercy to to do something to somebody who needed him more then the temple needed him. You see, most people would have looked, went to the temple to look for Jesus, but Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda that day. Now, when he was a 12 year old boy, his parents had come to a feast and they lost him and they went away a day's journey and had to come back and find him. He wasn't in the company. And when they found him, he was found, you know, where in the house of God. He was found in the temple. And he looked at them and he said, I must be about my father's business. He was 12 years old. He was confounding the doctors and the lawyers. So it really was his place to go on a feast time, except for the fact that there was a miracle needed to be performed. And he felt the need to perform a miracle. In fact, I love the story of a bishop that I heard was being interviewed one day and they asked him what his business was. What is your line of business and he said this, my line of business is horizons, horizons. I believe Jesus' line of business was more than just going back to the temple and arguing with the doctors and the lawyers and confounding them like he did when he was 12 years old. Now, he was ready to see the kingdom of God be up on this earth. And he went to a place where people needed healing. And he found this man. Now, many people see this story as an allegory because John, John's writing is really, it has twofold meanings a lot in his, in his writing. He was quite a writer. My favorite New Testament book outside of the epistles I love of the four synoptic gospels, I love John's the best. But many people think it was an allegory because they see the lame man as being the people, the Jewish people that were lame and could not get the water. They could not get there where they wanted to go. They couldn't get to promise. And they also realized, recognized that 38 years the man had sat there by the pool. And 38 years was the time they surrounded the mountain, Kadesh Barnea, and they wouldn't come into the land of promise. And the five porches at the pool represented the five first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch, Moses' writing, the law. And the law showed a person what was wrong, but he couldn't help them get right. And so this man knew he had something wrong with him, so He was trying to get right, and the pool stands for the waters of baptism, and they couldn't get there. Now, it's an intriguing speculation, but it seems far-fetched because the man never got to the water. He didn't have to get to the water. Jesus cut him off from the water. Jesus healed him that day. I would suggest that you need to restrain your imagination, not try to make and put hidden meaning on everything that is miraculous in the Bible. See, people want to take away many times from the miracle and make it just a story. But I declare, when Jesus did miracles, they were documented. People saw and knew that that was a miraculous thing. I'd like to declare to you on this Sunday that we have had awesome, miraculous miracles right here in this house. We've had miracles that's taken place that defies description because God is not in to his miracles just becoming tales of the wild Jerusalem days. His miracles are for us to inhabit in our hearts and say, I can have and serve a God that is a miracle worker. And if he did it for them, he can do it for me because he is no respecter of person. And we need to believe And we also need to believe right now that a miracle's on its way in America, a miracle's on its way in this church. We're growing a church, we're building a church next door, and we're going to see a massive growth because God is preparing us for an end time revival. Miracles are coming. But John did do something. He did do something. He, He put this miracle in a time frame because it was after that, that the Jews began to plot against him and Jesus discovered his enemies and they started plotting because of two things. Number one, this miracle was on the Sabbath day. And number two, there was was an apprehension and a demeanor that seemed to suggest from God Almighty that he was putting himself on a level equal with God and the Jews were apprehensive about that because he called himself, made himself equal with God. But here he is, he's at this pool, not the temple. He sees this lame man there for 38 years and he walks up to him and he says one thing, do you want to be made whole? The first thing Jesus attacked in that man was his will. Can I declare to you today, folks, that if you're ever gonna see things in your life, you need to will it so in your life. The leper looked at him one day and said, if you will, you can make me whole. And Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed. And the leper was cleansed. But Jesus turned the tables now on this man at the pool of Bethesda. He said, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be? What is your will? What do you want in life? Folks, if God asks you that question, why don't you just answer him resoundingly? I want miraculous living. I want a miraculous moment and I want a miraculous life. I want to live understanding that you are a God of miracles, not just for a moment, but for a life. And the man had some self-pity. He said, I have no man. I have no man. He said, when when the water's troubled, no man to put me in the water. Hey, Hey, buddy, have you been here so long? Who's that? That's a man in front of you. That's a grown man. That's a carpenter in front of you. That's who he is. He's here to help you. He's here to fix you. He's here to put you in the water, whatever. Believe. He's he's sent here for you. He had self-pity. He was wallowing in it for 38 years. And God was trying by his will to touch that man's will to get him past self-pity so he could have faith in his life. If you're ever going to have faith in your life, you've got to get past feeling sorry for your situation and you've got to believe God will pull you out of it. But pastor, you don't know my situation. It doesn't matter what your situation is. When you get past that self-pity and start believing God for things, God can do great things in your life. And all of a sudden, this man says, when I am coming and why I'm coming, another steps in before me. And then I realized that's why Jesus came to that pool for him, not everybody because everybody wasn't trying to get in that water. There was some that were happy with where they were but this man was trying to get in the water. He was trying to get to the healing balm. He was trying to find that pool of cleansing and Jesus came to him and in his heart said, this is your, this is your special day, man. I'm here to heal you. And so Jesus looks at him and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. That's not an allegory. That's a statement from the master. Get up and walk. Now, I've always wondered why the Lord used that phrase, rise, take up your bed and walk. He used it in other passages. I believe it's twofold. Are you ready? Number one, I believe when God says, take up your bed and walk, He wants you to walk away from some things. He wants you to walk away from the thing that has flattened you, from that bad relationship, from that thing that's entangled you, that sin that so easily besets you, that thing that has held you captive. He wants you to walk away from that. He don't want you just to take up your bed and hold it there until you fall down again. He wants you to take up your bed and walk away from what has held you back. And then the second reason is he wants you to walk to something (laughs) that's abundant, that's blessed, and that's awesome, and that's glorious. He wants you to walk into his presence, walk into his day, walk into his life, walk into this, perhaps the greatest event that ever happens in your life. Walk into it. Don't look back. Don't stare back at where you came from. Walk away and walk to. That's why he said, take up your bed and walk, not just to stay there. Now, I believe that that there was some unheard conversation going on here, okay? This is just me preaching. This is just me preaching. I believe there's some unheard conversation because when the man was asked by the Jews, who did this? Who commanded you to take up your bed and walk? Who did this in verse 10 through verse 13? Who commanded you to take up your bed and walk? He said, I don't know. Jesus had removed himself from the place. He said, I don't know. Let me me say something to you. If Jesus walks up to you, his presence walks up to you and heals you of cancer, heals you of sugar diabetes, heals you of heart trouble. Don't you think it would be kind of just nice and sincere to say, who did this to me? who did this? Who are you? But the man never asked Jesus his name, his name. You know, I've been in the presence of great people. I really, really have. I've been in the presence of great people and you know, I've always left there knowing their name. Now I never really asked for autographs, but I always asked their name because I didn't want them to think they had me on their hands and I was just going to ride their blades. I wanted to give back as much as I received. But I believe with all my heart, if I had been laying there 38 years and Jesus came and said, get up, rise, take up your bed, I'd say, wow, who are you? I want to tell everybody. But when the people ask him, who asked you to take up your bed and walk? He said, I don't know who he is. But I said there was some unheard conversation going on. Jesus, I think, said, if you want this to continue in your life, I want you to meet me at church. I want you to go and meet me at church. And you know what the Bible said afterward, verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing comes upon you. Here's what I want to tell you. At the house of God, Jesus set up a rendezvous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah with the man that he had healed at the pool. He had given him a miracle moment at the pool. But he said, when you get to where you're going, I want it to be the house of God. Now, let me stop and let me just say this without any, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I don't have anybody in mind. But if God has given you a miracle in your home, a miracle in your life, there's some unheard conversations that need to happen between you and God. The Lord is saying to you, you know what? You know where you need to be Sunday? You know where you need to be now? You need to be in the house of God. You need to go to church. You need to find out who I am. You need to find out my plan for your life. You need to understand what I'm doing in your business. I didn't just come to touch you and bring you up from a flattening experience so you could just walk away and just have a moment. I want you to have a life of miraculous. I want you to live a life of miracles. And that's what he's telling us today from this story, this unheard conversation. Meet me at church. Meet me at church. And the man showed up and he found Jesus and he met him there and found out who he was. And then verse 15 said, the man departed And told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. There's two things changed the miracle moment to a miracle life. One was the house of God. And the second was meeting Jesus in the house. Folks, you know, I could preach on that for another 30 minutes. Because church is not just a gathering of people. Church is just not a place to come and show up and wear nice clothes and look presentable. Church is not that. Church is still a place where Jesus Christ comes and identifies himself to us and says, you're not walking out of here by yourself. I'm going home with you. Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue that did not even trust in the Messiah, came to him when his daughter was sick and later died and Jesus raised her from the dead. And the Bible said he came and worshiped Jesus in the house. He worshiped him. And here's what Jesus did. When Jairus turned to leave to go home, Jesus followed him to his house. Because church is just not a place. It's just not... I'm sorry, it's just not a a sorority, it's not a fraternity. It's not something you just come to and just sit here and hear a word and hear somebody talk to you about the word. Church is a place that changes your life. The book of Ezekiel said, if you come into the house of God to worship by the south gate, you'll leave that house by the way of the north gate. And if you come by the way of the north gate, to the house to worship you'll leave by the way of the south gate what he's saying is when you come to church you will not leave the same way you came in you'll leave a different way you came in sick you worship him you'll leave well you came in trouble you worship him you'll leave without trouble you came here despondent if you worship him you'll leave encouraged because the church It's what he built. It's what he established. And it's not just for a a flip of time to come when nothing else is happening. The world, this government, the world is pushing against the church. There are people out there that are saying they don't even want ball players to play ball now. In football games that go to church They're stopping people from going to church, not bars, not saloons, but church, because they understand that God meets people at church. Church is an awesome place. You need the house of God. And when this pandemic is over, pack your clothes. Come on, we'll have a camp out. We'll have church all day long one day, because there's no place like church. David, the king said one thing if I desired of the Lord, And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his sanctuary. Church is an answer place. Church is an awesome place. Church is a place where you meet the one that perhaps gave you that miracle moment at a pool and you didn't recognize him. And the second thing church is, is it's an identifying place. You identify who the Messiah is. You identify who your friend is. You identify who your future is and you identify who is against you. David said, my foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, but then I went to church, and I understood their end. There's something about an identity at church. We identify with Jesus Christ. We identify with all that he is. We identify with the person that he is in our life, in our heart, and we identify the God that he has always been. Church. The difference between a miracle moment and a miracle life It's what you do with when you pick up your bed and walk. Walk away from all that stuff, but walk to and meet Jesus at the house of God. No place like the house. When I was a little boy, mom and dad took me to church. I told people I had a drug problem when I was young. I was drugged to church on Sunday, drugged to church on Wednesday, drugged to church on Tuesday night for youth nights. I was taken to church and I still have those drugs in my body to this day. And there may be even pastors talking against the validity and the efficiency and the understanding of the house of God. But this pastor stands firm in understanding and telling you that there's no greater place in all the world to be than his house because you identify what's happening in your life at the house. And it turns a miracle moment into a miracle life. God, thank you for the church. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the kingdom of God of which will be no end. Know that I love you and I know we, we can't all be here now. I understand that and none of us are here today because of the church being shifted from that place to this place. But in this empty auditorium, in this place called the chapel, I have felt the presence of God, just a one-on-one move of God in my life. And I know you're feeling it at your house. So let me pray for you right now. Lift your hand where you are and let me bless you. Dear Father, I bless these people. I love them with the love of you. I love them with your love. I care about the flock that you have sent me to pastor and I love them. Thank you for every baby that's been born. Thank you for every baby that will be born after this pandemic. Thank you for all the children. Thank you for all the parents. Thank you for all the people that put their trust and their hope in you. Now let your face shine on them. Turn your face toward them. Let them see your grace and walk in your favor and mercy. And let them understand that you are, you are their God and you are their Savior. And let them understand that they can have a miracle moment right where they are in their house today. But they can change that to a miracle life by coming to your house and meeting the one that touched them in their home today. I love you, Jesus. And I honor you. And I bless your name. Now, I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to praise him. I want you to give him thanks. And say, Lord, thank you for letting me have church today right here where I am. I'll see you in church on the 16th. We'll be back in the house. We'll be having church. I'll be at the door, hugging your necks. I'm doing fine. I'm doing wonderful. I love you very much. Have a blessed day and a blessed week. And let's turn these miracle moments into miracle lives. I love you. God bless you. Have a good day.